0: Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kassanji. The Godhead boldly dwelt in him. Even God knew that if man has to understand the God, it has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus. Not the Father, not the Holy Spirit, not angels, but the Son. You know. These are things we we read in the Bible many times and we speed read. We never really think about it that way. Why was the Son, why was it the Son so important? Why did the Son have to come, then he sends the Holy Spirit? Many people know a lot about the Holy Spirit and they don't know Jesus. But it's a lie. You know the Holy Spirit theoretically. It is theoretical. Because if you experience the Holy Spirit, you will know Jesus more. Because that is his role. He came to reveal the Son. As he says, when he comes, whatever he gives you, he will not give you of himself; it will be from what is mine. And that is why the disciples go to understand Jesus after the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that is why it is key. That is why we get people filled with the Holy Spirit every other time. And times people think it is too much. We are we are too spiritual. Yes, because we don't want to fulfill the desires of the flesh. says, so live in the Spirit. Hallelujah. But man, Jesus is so awesome. Jesus will touch your life and everybody around you will think you pretend. Nobody believes your life can be that good. Nobody believes you can be that happy 24-7. Nobody believes you can have that peace year in, year out. And you see, when they check things happening around you, they say you're in denial. But no, it is Jesus. I touch the helm of his garment. And his wounds have made me whole. His blood has made me whole. That is what we see with the apostles. They encountered him. Paul says, I bear the, mark of, the, mark, the, the marks of Christ in my body. I bear his marks in my body. And that is why Paul was able to be in prison, in maximum prison, and write and say, rejoice, fight the good fight of faith. When he's in prison, he was not in denial. He had touched the helm of his garment. He was whole. And you see the wholeness he gives to you. Unless you choose to give away, no one can take it. So being put in prison could not reduce him being whole. He told them, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. The peace that the world gives is dependent on circumstance. If there is no chaos, there is peace. If chaos comes, that peace goes. So Jesus said, mine is not like that. Mine, you've seen me leave it. You've seen me sleep in a storm. You've seen me be told, Lazarus, my best friend, is almost dying, and I stayed for two days. You've seen my peace. My peace has not been absence of chaos. It is because I'm the Prince of Peace. Shalom. Shalom. I'm the Prince of Peace. And you see, when we receive him in our lives, when we really encounter and experience him, the world, the devil, will throw whatever they can at us and will stay afloat because it is Jesus. It is Jesus Whatever is happening around us is not a factor of the peace that we've had, of the peace that we've received from him. That is why we've gone through this season. Everyone has panicked about corona. Everyone has, yeah, some of us have still closed businesses. We've downsized. We've done different things. But our countenance has not changed. No one can tell. Our lives are just soaring higher and higher. And it is not pretense. It is not denial. There is a security that we have in him. Praise Jesus. He is very important to us. And we've been speaking about call to love. We are called to love. He's called us to love. As Jesus healed them all, the Bible says he was moved with compassion and he healed them all. And there is a lot that is happening. God, we've been touched by the power of God, especially most of us who are here, who come to this, to this ministry, for those who are new, all, you, you can't stay here even for two months and you're not, you're not speaking in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's just illegal. And you can choose not to, but we will not allow it. And we are not going to send you away. So it's going to happen. Hallelujah. We will pounce on you. We know good things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But see, we've encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. We've experienced God. There is a lot that we've experienced. And God has called us to take this out to the world. Just like Aaron was saying. When we go to the world, you realize, ask many Christians, how many Christians understand spirit, soul, and body? You'll find very few. Many Christians around us are so shallow. They know, oh, God is powerful. God is good. God can do this. God can do this. That's all they know. But you see, that's not God's intention. God's intention is for every child of God to be deep in the word of God. Every child of God to know themselves. And he's called us as a ministry to help Christians know who they are. Our primary assignment is to those who are not Christians, but to the Christians, to the body of Christ, especially in this nation, is for people to know who they are in Christ. And to live in that freedom, to live in that liberty, and impact their world with the same liberty. And the only way you're going to know who you are in God is through his word. Is through understanding your identity because your true identity is in here. Praise Jesus. Like he tells us in Galatians chapter 5, he tells us to stay in the liberty wherewith we were bought, we were purchased. There is a liberty that we were purchased to When Christ came and died for us on the cross, he says, Stand steadfast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And many Christians, because of not knowing their identity, not even knowing the liberty that they were, both to the liberty that they were, that Christ got for them, get entangled, especially because of religion. Religion is the most binding and the most entangling thing. Praise the Lord. Like, we hear many Christians who believe they are under generational curses, and you see, the problem is not that. The problem is identity. The problem is not them is them not knowing who they are. Christians talk about the devil like he is the opposite of God. The devil is a mere creation of God. The devil is not an equal opposite to God. But you see, when Christians talk about, hey, the devil, shittani, shittani, like it is, it is because many don't know who they are. They've not discovered who they are. The devil shows up trembling, shaking. Then he hears that they are scared of him. And he puts up his chest because he realizes they don't know who they are. they are. They are not so sure of who they are. But you see, when children of God get to know their identity and get to know the freedom in which they've been, the freedom that they've been brought to, the freedom that they've been brought to by Christ, when the children of Israel, he was bringing them unto himself, bring them out of, bring them to himself. I've taught on eternal life, and i was telling us many Christians, many don't understand eternal life because they believe we were brought from. They never understand that we were brought into. When he was bringing the children of Israel from Egypt, his purpose was not just to bring them from Egypt; it was bringing them into, into a relationship with himself. Into they they knew about it as the promised land, but Moses knew. To him, to worship their God, to worship their maker. He was bringing them into something new. And when you go born again, you are brought into eternal life. You are not just brought out of darkness. He says, from darkness into his marvelous light. From the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So many will live like they've come out of the kingdom of darkness, but not in the kingdom of light. And you see, it's very easy to go back if you've come out of something and go nowhere. It's very easy to go back. Praise the Lord. Many times, we got people from the streets. You get it? You talk to them, you, but you see, they easily go back to the streets because they don't know where they've got to. Hallelujah. I normally I give this example. If somebody has been in prison for 30 years, for 35 years, you go and get them from prison and tell them you're free. But there is nowhere to go. Eventually, they are going to find themselves in prison. Because they are going to miss the food, they are going to miss the clothing, they are going to miss the shelter, and they are outside here on the streets. So eventually, they are going to get themselves back in prison. They will commit a crime just for the purpose of going back to prison. Because 30 years, they've got used to the comfort there. It is no longer punishment to them, it is their home. So many children of God have come from the fallen nature, which had become like their home. And when they are born again, they do not realize that there is a place called eternal life. There is a place that he's called us to. So we leave, you get born again, and the rest of your life is to fight the devil. The devil is pulling you back. The devil is pulling you back. Because you've never got to a secure place, eventually you get tired of the fight and you fall back. Because you can't keep fighting the whole of your life. Praise the Lord. But he's called us to an inheritance, an eternal inheritance. He's called us to a life in him. He's loved us so much. He's called us to experience this love. And when we understand some of these things, and we understand how much he has loved us, it is the only way we are going to impact our world. We will not just preach to them about coming out. We will preach them. We will bring them into. When he spoke to Paul, when Paul was being called, I think it's, uh, it must be Acts chapter what. Is it Acts 19, 20-something? I'm not so sure where it is. But he tells him, I have called you to open their eyes, to open the eyes of the Gentile, to bring light to them, that they should receive forgiveness of sin. Yeah? Paul was to open their eyes to something new that was there. And this is what God has called all of us to do. That when we go out there, we bring people into our life. We bring people into our life that God prepared for us. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Not just to turn them out of darkness. Not just to take them from darkness, but to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. Praise the Lord. Not just coming from the power of Satan, but now unto God. Yeah? Yeah? That they may receive forgiveness of sins. I've shared that that's a whole sermon receiving forgiveness of sins. Many people think that the day I say, God forgive me, that that is when forgiveness is given. But by By the time he's saying that they may receive forgiveness of sin, it means that forgiveness was already there. It was just, if their eyes are open, they can receive it. God was not going to give forgiveness the day Paul preaches to them. Paul was to open their eyes to forgiveness that is already there. To a forgiveness they can receive. A forgiveness that was already given 2,000 years ago. And an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. There is an inheritance for us. And people think of the inheritance as an inheritance we will get when we go to heaven. That there is an inheritance. What does Psalm 16 what does Psalm 16 verse 5 say? What does Psalm 16 5 say? The Lord is the portion of of mine inheritance and of my cup, thou maintainest my Lord. Let's read in NLT. Lord, you alone are my inheritance. There is an inheritance that we have already. My cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. This is Old Testament. David having a glimpse of what God has called us to obtain that the Lord is our inheritance. Our inheritance. Eternal life does not start the day you will go to heaven. He says, whoever believes shall have eternal life. They shall have eternal life. Not in the future they will have eternal life. They have eternal life. From the day you believe, you got eternal life. Let's go to verse 6. King James, a verse that many of us love. The lines are fallen unto me. In pleasant places. Yeah, I have a goodly heritage. Let's read it in NLT still. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. Let's read it in Amplified. The boundary lines of the land have fallen for me. In pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. In other words, if there was land that God was giving you, you just realize that this one fell where the gas is. This one, yeah, your left fell where the gas is. The gas is just inside, just there, like <laughs> it was covered in yours. It's not in the middle. It's not. Then the, the, the gold, like it's just like your land just got where all the pressure things are. Yeah, the lines have fallen there. And this, 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 this may not mean definitely just physical land, but he's showing us this, a place that he's brought us to, a pleasant place. The Passion Translation says, Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you, for you have given me the best. You have given me the best. Old Testament guys saying you've given me the best. A New Testament church, what are they doing? Praying for the best. Crying for the best. Kesha's for the best. Go please remember us. You come from that Kesha exhausted. Let's get exhausted. Jubilating. Celebrating. Because he's given us the best. Now when we discover, when we know our identity, when we discover this place, you know life changes. That is where reigning is. You know, whoever reigns, it is because they know what they have. It is very hard for somebody thinking deficient to reign, for somebody thinking insufficient to reign. Do you know that? It is very hard. Now, he has called, as he says in Romans chapter 5, he says that how much more they that have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign. Yeah. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, that is you and me, we are the ones that have received of the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ, that will reign. But you see, you can't train with a mentality of deficiency. You can't train when you, you see, anybody right now can talk about how they are going to do good things when they become president for Kenya. You get it? But they can't reign as a president. Because they don't yet have it. You know what I'm saying? But the one who has it, you can complain, you can tweet, you can. <laughs> and certain things will just be happening. Because he knows <laughs> he has it. The easiest way for the devil to hinder children of God from reigning is ignorance. That is why he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Experiencing this knowledge of him. Now, if he has called us to love, John 13, 35, 34, 34 says, as I have loved you, love one another. Yeah? 35 tells us, by this shall they know that ye are my disciples, if you love one another. This is Jesus saying this. This is how they shall know that we are his disciples. It is, not by, it is not by the miracles. It is not by how full our church is. It is not by how we dress. It is not by how we are good orators. It is by the love we have for one another. Meaning this love is beyond what the world has ever known. It is a love that they can only look at and know. This surely has to be Jesus. It is only Jesus that could ever die. It is only Jesus that could put his life on the line for anybody. That there is a love that the world should see among us us, that the world will believe that we are disciples of Jesus. Now, he doesn't say miracles. He doesn't say all these things. Why? Because if we are walking in this love, These things are automatic because he did these things because of love. Now, there's a sect of the church today that does not believe that miracles still happen today. He said miracles ended with the last apostle. But you see, if you ask them, if you're just being logical, these apostles were there. They were fishermen. they, They didn't do any miracles. You know what I'm saying? On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came upon them. They started doing miracles. Eventually, they died. Don't we see that the care here is the Holy Spirit, not the apostles? Because before he came, they didn't do anything. So them dying has nothing to do with him stopping. Because he is the care. He's the constant. As long as you have him... You can do the same thing. And why did the Holy Spirit come? Because these disciples were meant to show the love of God. It is them that God was going to use to express his love to the world. And one of the ways of him expressing his love to the world was by healing the sick because he loved them. And we see that right from the Old Testament. The Bible says in Matthew, I think it's Matthew, Matthew 9 or Matthew 8, he says he was moved with compassion. And he healed them all. He healed them because he was moved with compassion. So those days, 2,000 years ago, God had so much compassion that when he saw the sick, he would heal them. 2,020 years later, his compassion has dwindled. It has reduced. When he looks at the sick, he's not moved anymore. They can be tormented. As long as they can come to church and clap and worship and give tithe, they can... You see, that's what religion is telling us, because you see, he healed them because he loved them. Has he stopped loving them? So there is no we will experience this love of his and not want to see the sick free. There is no we will experience this love of his and will not want to see people fed. There is no one who will experience this love of his and will not want to see people sheltered. Praise the Lord. This will come as a byproduct of that love. Yet we can do these things in religion, not as a byproduct of love. And in in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he tells us there will be nothing. He says it will be nothing because it was not, it didn't come out of love. It didn't come out of this experience with, with God. So if he's called us to love like he has loved us, then we have to experience his love first. God does not love you because you are lovely. Praise the Lord. I know some of us, like me and my wife, look so lovely. But you see, never be deceived that God loves us because... (laughs) God loves us because he chose to love us. And his love is never going to... There is nothing you can do to make God love you more or love you less. You know, the first time I heard such things, it just seemed like, where have I been? I told you I grew up in church, even if we had a home. But... The first time I'm getting to know such things, and then to make it worse, they were in the Bible. I wanted to sue every pastor I had ever listened to, because these things are in the Bible. I'm like, all along, what have they been preaching to me? They've been quoting everyone they can quote, and you see, and it would make me feel they are deep, yet they left out things the fishermen wrote that would change my life. You get what I'm saying? As in, that's God's love. So without understanding how much God has loved us, we can't give it. Now at first, the rich young ruler comes to him and tells him, hey, tell us the greatest commandment. And he tells them, actually not the, after that scenario with the rich young ruler, he says, love your God with all your heart, your strength, and, and number two, love your neighbors as you love yourself. And he says, actually he says, the second is as the first In other words, loving God is not more important than loving your neighbor. You know, if you've ever read that scripture, he's saying that he's not saying that number two is number two in in order of, of, of value or strength. He's saying the second is as the first one. In other words, it's the same commandment. So I think people didn't understand it. So whoever felt like committing suicide, they didn't love themselves, they went and murdered somebody said, oh, but God, I loved them like I love myself. Even me, I wanted to kill myself. (laughs) So I loved them as I loved myself. Then now in John 13, 34, he says, okay, let's forget about that. Let me make it simpler. I'll just leave you with one this time. As I have loved you, love one another. He says, a new commandment I give unto you. Let my love be the standard. Because there is no way you're going to love each other without understanding my love for you and you see god's love for us is so much so as in you know during this month we were sharing in during hotspot and during hotspot during the hots, those that were in hotspot there's a question about when just sharing an experience where you experienced god's love when you thought you didn't deserve it you get it and you know me my experience has always been so good <laughs> praise the lord And by this time, it confused my theology, my understanding. And that is why the word has to be taught. Because you see, we believe in spiritual experiences. But you see, when you have spiritual experiences, the Bible says that the ones who the word was stolen from are the ones that didn't receive understanding. That's what it says in the parable of the sower, That because they did not have understanding, the word was stolen from them. And that word understanding does not just mean interpretation of Greek and Hebrew in their head. The Greek word there means actually, it did not come upon them. In other words, it was not, there was no, there was no rapport. There was no experience with the word. There was no, there's no what. You know, like that word come upon means like, like imagine like, today you're just walking, I'm um, 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 like, I'm walking in town. Then, whoever you whoever you want to meet, praise the Lord. Whoever whoever is like that person you dream about one day, if I meet so and so, one day if I if I just meet, if I can just meet and sit with so and so. So imagine. So me, I would imagine one of the people that I loved most, superstar, was T.L. Osborne. But imagine I'm walking into Rivers. Then I just meet T.L. Osborne, and I'm like, ah, 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 ah. Hi, (laughs) he's come upon me. You get what I'm saying? As in, I'm I'm overwhelmed, perplexed—not perplexed, gobsmacked, flabbergasted, bamboozled, (laughs) left in a state of (laughs) nini. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so in other saying, when understanding does not come, in other words, the word didn't come that way. You had an experience, you get it like we come, the power of God hits you, you get slain, you shake under the power, you stand up and you wipe yourself in and go home. And your life never changes. Because in that moment, it didn't come upon you. But you see, it came upon Paul on the way to Damascus. That's why he says in Philippians Philippians 3, 12, not that I have apprehended, but that I may apprehend that for which I was also apprehended. In other words, Paul pondered that every day. We were many on the way to Damascus. I was not alone. Why did the light just shine upon me? Why is it only me that, as in this understanding that was there, he didn't take it as a light thing. He remembered it. So like I'm saying, like I meet Thiel Bond there, and when I get home, my wife is like, Wash your hands. I'm like, No, today I'm not. For this whole week, I'm not washing my hands. You don't know who I met. You, you get what I'm saying? He says, Oh, babe, take off those clothes. Hey, eh, no, I'm not, you know who I hugged today? Yeah, I'm not taking off those clothes. Ah, babe, what are you putting on tomorrow? I'm not changing. I'm putting on the same clothes. You don't know who I met yesterday. Now, that is understanding. <laughs> understanding who I met. <laughs> yeah? So do we treat the things of God that way? So these experiences that we have, so in the love that he's talking about, the love that we are to experience, when that understanding does not come, it can ruin us because eventually it is the very thing we will take light of and will not treat well. Praise the Lord. Have you had people who have had people speaking in tongues and they make fun of speaking in tongues? Because they also speak in tongues. You get it. He speaks in tongues, but he makes fun of speaking in tongues. It has never come upon them. They don't know how precious it is. They don't know that it is a godly treasure. They don't know that God in his seeing of how he can help humanity in prayer, he chose to give them a holy language. God of heaven. That he sent a treasure, and you can make light of it. You hear many people speak... Things that are, like he says in Jeremiah, I don't wish when we learn to separate the vile from what is sacred, from what is precious. So you hear people on TV, I in a they, they mean well. You get it. But you see, they don't know the sacredness of what God does. That is why when they are giving the examples, they make light of what God does. So you hear them. Speaking in tongues do not pay bills. Speaking in tongues do not, whatever your point is, you can say it without if you've experienced the reality and the importance and the sacredness of these things, you're not going to use them in such examples. You will have other examples to use, but not something that God has done. You hear what they say about marriage. You hear what they say about church. You hear what they say about pastors. It is because there is understanding that has never come to them. That is why they can't speak anyhow. And to God, it is foolishness. They are speaking like fools. A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It may just look like it's, it's a joke, it's humor, it's hilarious, but to God you're foolish if you take things of God lightly. So that happens many times when we are not also taught the word. So we come and have experiences. Some of Bill Johnson says this, that the best way to, inoc- to inoculate anyone is to give them to give them just very little of that particular whatever you want to inoculate them against. Just give them a little. You see, like when you immunize people from polio, give them some little polio. You get it. They will never get polio. Their bodies will fight polio. So when people come to church, and we, they get a little, somebody comes and they spoke in tongues. Then they went and just lived in religion. They joined maybe a place where they speak against speaking in tongues and what? the very people, it will be very hard to get to them, even with the importance of the Holy Spirit, or even healing many of these things, because they get, that is why, whatever we want to do here, we want to do to the extreme. If the Holy Ghost rocks us, let the whole service, let all of us be on the floor. Let all of us roll, so that we are never inoculated against his presence. Praise the Lord. When we teach the word, we take it seriously. The word is not just, it is not just another portion of the service. It is not just a pastor preparing 15 minutes to to encourage people so that they go home and say, no, it is very serious that you come to my office, it is the word I will tell you. You tell me this situation is happening, I'm like, what does the word say? But God tells us this, but God tells us this so that you're never inoculated. How many Christians are inoculated against the word of God? Whenever they go through a situation, they tell you, but reality, let's put the word aside, very inoculated. What is more reality than this? Corona. We've overcome Corona by this. We, the fear that sting everything. I'm looking like this is serious. I have something better. Who has believed our report? <laughs> Hallelujah. We have a better report. We have a better report. So I experienced the love of God without getting this understanding. And one of the ways I experienced the love of God is how I began to speak in tongues. Because you see, I was weird in high school. I was the one plating hair, I was the one smoking, I was done doing things. And the holy people don't shake hands because we are going to make them dirty. Praise the Lord. When you show up in fellowship, no one sits around you because you're unclean. Surprisingly, when Jesus touched the unclean, they become clean. That's the cleanness I wanted. One that is so strong that I don't need to protect so much. That I can go to the unclean and they become clean. So many of the clean people around me feared me. I was like a god when I showed up in fellowship. They respected me. They had reverence for me. When we are entering the dining, they look away. They don't want to... I controlled them. I (laughs) reigned in their space. (laughs) Yeah, so... But you see, during this time, I genuinely loved God. These are struggles that I had, and I didn't know how to deal with them. I had real struggles. But genuinely, in my heart, I loved God. So because to them, if I went for prayers, they thought I'm pretending. If they saw me reading the Bible, they thought I'm pretending. Saturday night, I would read my Bible under the blanket. That's where I would read my Bible, so that they don't make fun of me. I would pray alone. And so you see, one time, no one has prayed for me. No one has, you know I would even go for Bible studies and they're debating tongues. Tongues are not for everyone. Tongues are, one day, no one prayed for me. God himself, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost visited me, filled me with the Holy Spirit. They laid their hands on me. Filled me with the Holy Spirit. I began to speak in tongues. I was not asking men. I felt like I was the Pope of Pentecostals. I just felt like all these guys, to hell with them. <laughs> I'm the most holy person. They told me clean water cannot come out of a dirty vessel. Now tongues are coming. Maybe I'm not as dirty as they thought. Maybe the things I'm doing are not wrong. <laughs> you get it? Yeah because I tried to smoke and speak in tongues, and I could still speak in tongues. <laughs> this thing, I was lied to. <laughs> you see, my theology was so confused at that time. i like, so what is this? What have these people been saying? All of them were liars. And I told my mom I speak in tongues, and you know what she said? We must first see fruit. Hey, <laughs> there's nothing like glad, grace. No, we must first see fruit. (laughs) But you know, like I look back, I'm like, wow, God is not a man. Because I've been told I'm only going to get tongues when I deserve, when I have fasted, when I have gone to church, when I've shaved my hair like they shave, when I've dressed like they dress, when I've spoken like they speak. In other words, you must first join our religion for God to love you. That's, that's what they were saying. Now I'm here. And I would sit and I would go for Bible studies and they are there. They don't understand about tongues. And me, I'm there thinking, oh, these guys, I'll even, I'll be showing them around heaven. You know, I just feel like I was just, like I was the greatest person. But you see, because understanding didn't come to me, that was, I was in Form 2. So it's Form 5, I had another encounter with God. and But you see, I I lived like I didn't speak in tongues. I was just proud of it. But I still lived my, my, my weird life, my funny life. Because understanding did not come to me. And you see, this is what I'm saying. That, you see, I experienced the love of God. But because of a lot of the wrong teachings, it didn't make sense. So it confused me more than edify me. And it is so important that understanding comes to us. But that was unconditional love of God. Because you see, I told you, come as you are, come as you are. But once you get born again, God's grace is cut off. You start living. He starts loving you by how you perform. So he only loves you when you are a sinner. Then when you become born again, now you have to start earning the love. Your bonga points are expired. Now you need to start paying for whatever you're going to receive. So you see, it didn't make sense to me. He just came and loved me this way, so it confused me. But you see, he was setting me up to be teaching this today because now when I teach it, I teach it out of real spiritual experience, real experience, it is experiential knowledge. It is not something that I'm just teaching because I had somebody teach. I've experienced God's love that is totally different from human love. I've experienced God's love when I thought I didn't deserve it. Just a number of scenarios, Still in high school, I'm there. Phones are illegal. Uh, there is, we had uniform that was specifically for, like what? Boarding uniform. May I show up? I didn't have any boarding uniform. But I wonder how I used to survive. You get it? I didn't have, like everything about me was illegal. I'm telling in case they decided to come and say, Benji, do you have any illegal thing? They would be shocked not to find a legal thing. because there's nothing. So one time I show up for fellowship, courtesy show up, because my dad will ask, did you attend fellowship this time? (laughs) So so you see, so I have to at least to have proof that, hey, I I attended some. Even so-and-so saw me. Dad, ask them. You get it? Something like that. So I show up. So when I show up, this preacher calls me. Young man is a visiting preacher come here, God is going to use you, you're going to heal the sick, you're going to preach the gospel to nations, I'm there, 17 year old, form 5, he calls me in front, I'm putting on everything illegal, the teacher in charge of CU is there, everyone is there, I have my phone in my pocket, the guy does this, I get slain, and I'm like, God, that phone, hold it in the pocket, hold it in the pocket. And the angels rush in and they save that phone in a pocket. And I'm on the floor and I'm trying to get up so that we save the phone before they say, carry him to the side. You know those people who carry you to the side? They can carry you like... <laughs> and the phone will just come out. <laughs> yeah? And the angels held it there. Nothing happened. You see, so I look back and I'm like, first of all, I was not holy according to them. I was not, but God still tells me he's going to send me to nations. You get it. I'm thinking I should have fasted and prayed. Then I hear, God, what am I going to do? You, if you don't pray more, there is no calling for you. Go fast more. Go, go. Okay, right now, maybe you can visit one nation, but pray more. Okay now, I've called you to the nations, you fasted, you're okay. No, when I've not prayed, when I've not such a prophecy comes to me, uh, you know even my teachers, they ignore, no one calls me, you know I'm thinking the next day they're going to call me yesterday you are putting on this nothing, Some like this God might be loving. actually he might really he might really love me because I promised him many times in those scenarios that I'm going to change, then I didn't change. You get it. Because in that time, I'm like, if this phone is not found, God, I'm going to change. I'm going to put away all the illegal things. I'm going to serve you. Then I don't serve him. A month later, I've escaped from school. Police has arrested us. I'm like, God, if they don't take us to to school, if they don't take us to that headmaster, I will serve you. I'll never escape again. Ah, they don't take us. The next month, again, I escape. I'm like, God, I know you, you think that I'm lying this time, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, the other times I was serious. I was very serious. I don't know what happened after, but <laughs> and it's true. I used to be serious. I, used to, I, was, <laughs> I was never lying. It's just that things would happen later, and I would wonder what is happening. But you see, he kept doing good to me. He kept doing good to me. Now, when understanding came, when I started understanding the teaching on his love, I'm like, yeah, that was God showing me what I was to preach. That was God showing me. His love is not dependent on your performance at all. And without experiencing it, it is going to be very hard for you to love the world because you're going to treat them depending on their experience. You're going to love people here because of what they do right. Oh, this one doesn't talk so much. This one doesn't gossip. Ah, this one normally brings for me lunch. This one, that's how you're going to love them. The world knows that one. There's no way it will prove to them that you are his disciples. That is what they do also. He says even pagans, I think it's, I don't know which version, says even sorcerers, they love each other. It is this love of God, the unconditional love that he's loved us with. And you see, says this love, it is through this love that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. It is with such a love. Ephesians, Ephesians 3.19, it says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. In other words, it is not a love that is just mental. And that is why I found many people who speak about God's love. You get what I'm saying? Yet later you find them in condemnation. I've disappointed God. I don't think God can use me anymore. And yet they spoke about about the love of God one time. It is because the love of God that they were speaking about, they only knew it mentally. They only knew it with human understanding. Let's let's read in Amplified. That you may really come to know, practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ. Which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience? That you may know this love that passes human knowledge. This is a love that is beyond you saying, I was told God loves me. There's a story about Jesma. Many of you have heard about Jesma. Jesma was raped, was, I mean, was abused, raped by her dad more than 200 times by her own father. One of the things she struggled to, be, to, to accept was the love of God. Because even when it was preached, she used to wonder, but where was he? I was just a young girl. I was just helpless. I, could not, I didn't choose it. Where was he? But you see, she decided to pursue the love of God. Every day, meditating on it and claiming, meditating on these scriptures. And it took her more than a full year to fully experience God's love, that she doesn't doubt it anymore. And that is why she speaks about it freely. Somebody who has not got free from it could not speak about it freely. And the real test of her being totally free, when her dad was so senior, she built a house for him, she put him there, then when he got older, she had to bring him and live with them till he died. To her that was real proof that she really forgave him, she really loved him. And you see, when now people look at how she loved her father, they know that she's a disciple of God, of Jesus. They know she's a disciple of Jesus. Because even to a Christian, it's reasonable. It's true you love them, but keep them at a distance. You hear what I'm saying? But she loved him, she led him to Christ, she baptized him, she loved him, forgave him, till she lived with him in her own house. But about how do I know the love of God? How do I know this love? Because it is with this love, he says, that when we know it, that we will be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That you will live filled with God himself. The first time I discovered this, I'm telling you it made me want to know God's love because I want to be filled with God fully. I wanted to stand before any demon and say, out, and it's out. I wanted to stand before any lame person and say, walk, and they walk. I wanted my faith to be in the sky. I wanted every spiritual thing to just be operating in my life. Then I read here that it is when I understand this love that I will be filled with the fullness of God. God's fullness, God's fullness will fill me when I understand this love. Experientially, when I experience it, that is when God's fullness will fill me. And partly it's because of that. You understand that God loves you so much, God doesn't put sickness on people. It will be very easy for you to give healing. You will struggle so much in ministering healing if you still somehow believe that his love is not as perfect as him not putting sickness on people. So you will struggle a lot in ministering healing. You will struggle with giving. Tithe, word. You see many Christians even who attack giving in church they've not experienced the love of God in the fullness. Because you know, they, they really believe. And which, kind it makes sense. How do you say that I'm giving and I'm going to become better? You get it? So to the world, that makes sense. But that's what the Bible says. It is foolishness to them. These things are foolishness to them. If you fully understood his love, you will know he's not a hawk. He's not a taker. He's, he, he, he doesn't actually use Kenyan shillings. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, you will get to realize that there's, there's nothing like he's taking my money. There's nothing like, you will get to understand. And, and that is why I said that there are things, you know, for the first years when I taught a lot about God's love for people who were there, and Manu, my wife, when we just began ministry, people would come and ask me, when are you going to teach about giving? When are you going to teach about? And I'm like, that is going to be messed up, a bit screwed. Because many people talk about how they understand giving, but they don't. Because I would listen to many Christians talk about sowing and giving and all this. And whatever they are saying is a bit messed up. Why? Because they've never understood the things in priorities. First of all, they, they got to be taught giving before them understanding God's love for them. So they thought giving earns you God's love. You get what I'm saying? So I majored on it. The, the first time I taught about giving in this ministry was like, I think, after like four years in ministry. I think that was like at, when we were Thailand. That's the first time. Because there is a foundation that had to be laid. This is very foundational, understanding the love of God for yourself. Yet when you understand it and experience it, you live in the fullness of God. It is the way you experience the fullness of God. Now if you go into verse 20, which men of us quote, we say, according to him, who is able to do according to the power that works in us. When you, you read in context from verse 14, you're going to realize that this power that is at work in you is his love that he was talking about. This is what he was talking about here. So when you experience that love and it is working in you, he's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. Because of his love, we are filled with his fullness. So how do we get to know his love? Verse 14, Paul was praying for the Ephesians. So praying for them, it means you can pray for yourself. And also, you place value on it. The word comes upon you, like I said, you place value on it. You place value on it that you're going to pursue it. Praise the Lord. He says, He spoke to the Pharisees in parables that they should not understand. But He went to the disciples and explained to them plainly that they, because it was given to them to understand the mysteries. So God hides or conceals matters not from us, but for us, because He can't cast pearls to swine. What shows that you value something is how far you're willing to go to, to receive it. When on Easter, it's not a culture, maybe in Africa a lot, but in America, in, they, 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 they have Easter eggs they, they hide with gifts. They will go and hide maybe in the compound, in the lawn, they will hide there. But when the parents are hiding these things, their desire is that their children find them. So if the children are even finding it hard to find them, the parents give them a clue. You get what I'm saying? This is what God has done. His treasures. He has to see. are you interested? Because if you're interested, it will benefit you and it will benefit others. If you don't value it, it will become disastrous to you. So his love can be sold. Like I'm telling you, like Joyce Meyer valued it. So against all she was feeling, she kept reading the word of God. She kept valuing it, digging. He has loved me with an everlasting love. And it took more than a year for her to experience it fully. Some of us come for one service and we say, I didn't experience it. That was enough. How much do you value it? Do you believe God is true? Do you believe what he says is real? Then if you believe it, you will pursue it for the rest of your life. There is no time limit to it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you want to experience, and this is something that I prayed, like when I saw how Paul prayed, he says, for this reason I bow my knees. You know, to Paul this was so crucial. The Ephesians were being persecuted. But he, his prayer was not that they should be protected, they should not be arrested, they should get better houses. His prayer was that they should know this love of God that passes knowledge. That I think he knew that this is very pivotal in everything they are to do as Christians. If they understand this, if the body of Christ in this nation really understood the love of God, there is a lot we would not be going through that we are going through. There are conferences we will not be having that we are having. The acacias we will not be having that we have. Praise the Lord. Because you see, when such times come now, corona times say, oh, maybe it is a time for repentance. Maybe it's a time for repentance. Repentance in what it means, it would be true. You get it? But if it is a time to pity ourselves and what? Because you see, and you see the, now the world, that's what the world, some of the people fear God because they think that. Like, oh, you guys, I heard you said the other time that you've been so bad as Christians, as the church. So God brought corona. So I'm not sure if I become a Christian, I'll be so good. I may be causing you corona every month. You see, that's that's what, they, that's what they are thinking. Because that's the God that we've portrayed. And this is the God that was portrayed in the Old Testament. That is why Jesus came and said, those that came before me were thieves, were all thieves. Because Jesus is the one who represented God perfectly. Whatever you don't see in Jesus as a human being walking on earth, it is not an attribute of God. If you never see that Jesus met a sick person and told them, I use this to teach you something. Then he doesn't, God doesn't do that. If you never saw the people of Galilee rejected him and they didn't want, and he didn't say, let a tornado come for them. Let me teach them a lesson with some tsunami. Then he doesn't do that. But you see, lack of understanding of his love, with all this evil, all the things that the devil does, we've attributed them to God. We've said, this is God, it is God doing this. And so it becomes very hard for us to give this love to the people that we are called to. We demonize people, and when we demonize people, God wins. I mean, the devil wins. You know what I'm saying? This was common in high school. It was common, I don't know about here in Kenya, but for us it was so common, of not preaching to somebody because, oh, so-and-so is a devil worshiper. So you find even Christian churches, they are there seated discussing which musician is a devil worshiper, which musician is a... When are you ever going to reach them if you're discussing them that way? It's not a factor. Whether they are a devil worshiper, there was a man called Legion. Jesus still set him free. He didn't say, you, you are a devil worshiper. How can you be Legion? He still loved him because they are the ones that God died for. So as Christians, when we start, uh, when we start demonizing people and giving them names that the devil has given them, we are confessing with the devil. We are arguing with the devil. And there is no love of God sin there. If we treat somebody, we say, Oh, so-and-so can't come to our church because we had they had premarital sex. Uh, pre, uh, yeah, pre what sex. Yeah, pre-what sex? Oh, so-and-so can't, 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 can't come to, can't, can't, uh, we can't associate with so-and-so. And I'm not saying that love condones these things. You get it? But it is possible to treat the vice, it is possible to treat the sin or the, Whatever has happened, independent from the person that Jesus died for. Because that person, if you want to know their worth, it took God's son to die for them, to ransom them. That's how valuable they are to God. Does God know what they've done? Yes. Does the price on their life remain? Yes, it remains. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we'll go more into this next Sunday. We'll go more into knowing God's love. And it is a love I know many of you have experienced already, even as we've been going on, because the Holy Spirit is here to minister it to you. But it is something that will go on and it is something I want everyone to experience because I believe the greatest revival or move of God we are going to see is when the church grasps this. Because if he says, this is how they shall know that you are my disciples, it means that we are seeing scanty things here and there that when Patrezi sharing about a blind person seeing and what, it is not common to that church. Maybe it is because we've not fully experienced the love of God. Because as we experience the love of God, this should be common. This should be common for every believer. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for